Welcome to the OA Serenity Sunday Meeting Podcast. Visit the Los Angeles Intergroup at oalaig.org for information on how to join our meeting live and how to donate to support this meeting and our podcasts. The opinions expressed on the Serenity Sunday Podcast are those of the individual speakers and do not represent OA as a whole. And now our speaker. I'm Jack. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'm your leader for this meeting. Uh, thank you very much, Josh. Josh is one of the only people I will say, well, there's a couple of people I will say yes to no matter what they ask, no matter what meeting they ask me to lead, and no matter what time of, of day it is. Very few people. I resolved years ago, I'm not speaking on Sundays anymore. I'm not doing a lot of things anymore. <laughs> and um, Josh asked me, and I said, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> that's just the way you do it. Sunday morning. That's, that's, that's life. I have a life. I have a life today. Um, I'm in an odd mood this morning, maybe affected by the fact that I've been up for like a minute and a half. Um, this is the best sexiest voice I got. I hope, uh, the things I say are correspondingly, uh, uh, at least, uh, uh clear and lucid. Um, I've been in the program now. I've been coming for 40 years. All of you, I mean, three quarters of you could tell my story and, um, a third of you will fall asleep hearing it. Um, so I was a fat kid. I was a fat middle-aged kid. I was a fat little kid. I became a fat big kid. And uh, I was well on my way to becoming a very fat adult. And um, it's no way to live. It's no way to live. Everything was about the food. Everything was about my weight. Everything centered around my weight. In my head, as well as in my world. Um, Diets, diet pills, Weight Watchers, uh, Metrical and Sego for the old folks. Um, uh, sorry, who we are. Uh, uh, up 50, down 30, up 40, down 20. Uh, then I got to high school and the numbers got bigger. I got to college, the numbers got bigger. Um, I come from a fairly normal, on paper, fairly normal, middle-class Jewish uh, near the old May Company, Peterson Museum area. Um, mom was a housewife of the 50s. My sister was a normal little, you know, tall, thin, blonde, good-looking, <laughs> non-Jewish-looking Jewish girl. And, uh, and I was fat with a big mouth and a short-haired crew cut. And um, I felt odd and different. And my, my body was different than many people's, it seemed like. Uh, Flabby breasts and 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 uh, stretch marks are not exactly cool when you're a growing up little boy. Um, and I was athletic, but I couldn't pull it off. I got it, but I couldn't do it. Uh, I was a mediocre student with a very very high IQ and very bright, and just couldn't put in put it into action. Um, and then all hell broke loose. Uh, my mom died on Mother's Day, 1967. I was 14, she was 44. And it took a crappy sort of situation and made it really crappy. Uh, uh, I got up to 300 pounds by my first year in college. Uh, my dad drank for three years, uh, cried, drank, and went to work. Nice man, terrible, terrible thing happened to him, you know? He was with her since middle school, elementary school, and then they were married 24 years, both 24, both 44, and she died. And I became, you know, not only the short-haired weird guy, the fat weird guy with the shirt tails not tucked in, but now I became all that one becomes when they're a member of that group, which is 
you know, all the rough around the edges you can be when you don't have a, a, a mother. Um, so uh, that being said, uh, I went to UCLA because I was supposed to, and I um, uh, went through in three years because I was in a hurry. Uh, I don't know where I was going, but I had to get there very quickly. I went to the next obligatory step for um, uh, Jewish people uh, uh, in that it seems like an, a reading of the Old Testament said you must go to law school. So I went to law school and I had lost 100 pounds at UCLA and I got a new suit and a new girlfriend and a new car and a new briefcase. And I thought no symptom, no problem. Oh, was I wrong? I uh, gained back all the weight in law school. I drank some, uh, I took value of some, and I gained back the 100 pounds. I tried to uh, make my higher power work. Uh, then I couldn't become a lawyer. Then I tried selling life insurance. And in four and a half years, I probably didn't sell any. Uh, probably didn't work any either. I was a compulsive overeater with a very, very, very small stipend and uh, played a lot of pinball machine in bowling alleys, claiming to be at appointments and uh, claiming to be trying really hard to sell life insurance. I bottomed out in 1982 in January, and I wound up crawling into a meeting of OA in, on January 5th, 1982. And I heard the speaker speak, and to be uh, honest with you, he was a very, very strange guy. I'm still friends with him. He's an odd bird. Uh, he's nuts, but he's one of us. And he was male, and he could talk. And he was thinner and he had been fatter. So he sponsored me for six years. And for the first time in my life, I think I felt like I had hope, a little bit of hope, not a lot of hope, a little bit of hope. Uh, got my weight down. If you tend to go the other way, I still focused on the weight. So what happened? I set a goal weight of 180. I hit it, changed it to 150, 170, 160, and 150, hit all of those. And so, you know, I could diet with the best of them, but I had no freaking clue what this disease is about <laughs> or what I was about. Got to OA and the journey started. So now it's 40 years later. I've had three sponsors. I'm an avid, enthusiastic member of Al-Anon now too. Throw in once I gave away the food. So the food I wrote down the first day, three meals a day, nothing in between, no sugar, no fried foods, no chips and no alcohol and no bread and no pasta. And uh, I eat that way today. Exactly the same way today, 40 years later. I've been accused of being uh, rigid, not anymore, I don't think. Uh, I don't listen. I don't care. My food plan works. Yeah. Okay, so that's what it was yeah. like. Okay. That's what it was like. Oh, one last thing, what it was like. I was telling somebody yesterday, I used to go to Fat Burger on La Cienica right near the uh, uh, Beverly Center. And it was two in the morning. And there were some really raunchy, raunchy people there. And uh, I was one of the, I was the only, uh, the only white people there. And I was the only person without tattoos. And I was scared shitless of everything. However, I wanted my fat burger. So I go there and I fake having a nervous twitch. And I started talking to myself. And I'll tell you something, no matter how big the tattoos and the biceps are, if you talk to yourself and you shake around and act weird, people will leave you alone and you can have your food in, in a modicum of peace. Then I got to OA. I've always had a sponsor if you're new. I didn't always tell the truth, which is not a good thing. I do now. I very much do now. But but in the beginning, I, I this was asking us to cut at life at an absolutely different angle than we've ever cut at it before. 
this is 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 a, a fourth dimension. This is catapulting into a fourth dimension. And I didn't believe any of the people, and I didn't believe any of the catchphrases, and every one of them has been true. Every one of them is true. That uh, I have a disease, it's not my fault, I'm powerless over food. I have to come to believe in a power greater than myself that can restore me to sanity, and I have to turn my life and my will and my decisions and my actions and as many of my thoughts as I can over to the care of that loving care of that higher power. I have to take a fourth step and I have to write out my character defects. I have to write out my fears. I have to look at every one of them. I have to write out my sexual history, my sexual inventory. I have to write out my, um, 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 my resentments, every one of them, because underneath every one of them is an issue over which I will eat, is an issue over which I have something I need to do. And I, I get to look at my part in that fourth step, I not only get to say, I'm pissed off at uh, Mary because she did this and, and it affected this, my part. And I will always be able to say, I've got a part. Either I caused it, I participated in it, I fueled it, I held on to it too long, something. What's the big deal? Direct correlation with my eating and my obsession about food not just the eating, but I mean, that's all I would think about. I went through law school uh, and I would fake leaving my class. I would leave my class. I didn't fake leaving my class. I left my class coughing or something. And I'd wind up playing pinball pinball at the, uh, at the market next door. Or I'd go to the bowling alley or I'd, I'd sit in the UCLA law library eating cold sandwiches on a Sunday morning from a machine left over in the machine from Friday. And then I'd be too tired and strung out to, to study. Um, six and seven, I, I actually pray to have those character defects removed because I want a life that's free of them today. And what I've got to do is I've got to make a list of all the people. And I have three times, three sponsors, three, four steps, Aladon, another fourth step. Um, I have to look at all the people I've done anything to, and I have to clean it up to the best of my ability. Yes, I did it. It was wrong. It was my fault. This is the part I played. Uh, what can I do to make it good? I won't do it again. And I have to not only apologize, I used to think that was the key to the recovery, is to change my behavior. Look up the word, as my sponsor told me to look up the word amend. It's not I apologize. I knew how to apologize and do the same thing over and over and over again, because really the culprit was them anyway. So there's nothing for me to do. The culprit is not ever them. I mean, it's always them. And it doesn't matter. It's always me, and that does matter. I get to clean it up in nine, and I get to continue to clean it up in 10. And I don't have a lot of relationships. I, I work alone in my own, my own space, so I don't have employees or employer. Um, we don't have kids. I'm married for 21 years, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, uh, I couldn't sustain a relationship with anything or anyone. And, um, and a dog. Um, so in like, that's the context in which most, I don't have parents anymore. I have a very good relationship with my sister. So I, uh, I have friends and my character defects don't seem to come out in those contexts very much. Uh, so there's places I always have to look at with my sister and, and certainly my wife. And in 11, I've got to get quiet long enough to know what I'm feeling. I've got to have a conscious contact with God as I understand God. And don't get me started on that because as opinionated as I am um, in so many areas, I'm not that opinionated on 11, I, other than it's really important. Um, but I, 
I've got to find not what's my will, but what's my what's what's God's will for me, and pray for the power to live within that. And then twelve is uh, like I started the meeting. Uh, if Josh asked me to lead a meeting, I say yes. Actually, I'm supposed to do that for and with anybody. I'm not that noble. Uh, I won't speak on Friday nights because, for the most part, I observe Friday night Sabbath, uh, and I won't speak on Sundays because it's normally family day. But uh, again, if Josh acts, you know, it's the exact opposite of what Nancy Reagan said in the what was it, Don, whatever year that was. You you were there. Um, you were in elementary school there. Just say no, Nancy Reagan said. So my motto has been: if Josh asks, just say yes. Um, it can't work. It can't. Hurt, it can't hurt to have that mantra in this program. That could be a nut, another catchphrase. If Josh asks, just say yes. Um, so uh, I've always had a sponsor. I've had a sponsor. What does a sponsor do? It, it puts. It helps me. It helps me clarify the space between stimulus and response. Okay. It, it helps me know that once I don't eat. And by the way, why is the not eating so important? By me, eat, I don't mean not eating. I mean not eating. Why? Because the first step at the end, second to the last paragraph says, working remaining step, 11 steps means the, action, means the adoption of actions and attitudes that almost no alcoholic who is still drinking would think of taking. I've got to be sober first. They didn't teach people in AA how to stop drinking. They say, stop drinking. Now, work a program, a 12-step program, and you'll have a life beyond your wildest dreams. You'll live happy, joyous, and free. So I got to set the alcohol aside. I've got to set the food aside. How do I do that? I have a food plan that I stick to no matter what. Uh, I had a cancer scare in this program. I didn't change my eating plan. In fact, I called Spike at the Eisenhower Medical Center and said, hey, Spike, I heard you're the dietitian. Uh, let's talk about my, my lunch. Um, my dad died uh, 10 years ago in this program. My food didn't change. I felt what I felt. But my food didn't change. Seven minutes, Jack. Okay. What it's like now. Um, I bitched and fetched from the podium the first year about my disdain for the insurance business. And uh, God did for me what I could not have done for myself. A lady tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, you want to work in the 12-step eating disorder hospital program? Cut to now. I've had a 40-year career as a counselor, a uh, 35-year career as a licensed marriage and family therapist. I've had a private practice the whole time. And uh, uh, <laughs> that field has been very, very good to me, if you know what I mean. It, it, I mean, it gave me something that I enjoy doing every day. Not only am I of service, not only does it pay the bills, but I love going to work every day. Um, and I mean that. And everything they used to say about, if you love what you do for work, you never work a day in your life, or whatever the phrase is. Uh, I do. I love it. Uh, it's, it's, it's a combination of finally feeling useful, uh, being able to affect other people's lives and in little subtle ways that I don't get paid for. I throw that in for free, a little exposure to some 12 step stuff. If you know what I mean? Um, I got married and the program, by the way, I never read this, the, the traditions with much, uh, enthusiasm until the last 10 years. By the way, I have a food sponsor now for the last 10 years. I write in everything I eat every day. After 30-something years, I got a food sponsor. Why? Because I think it's an important foundation. I don't live in the abstinence. I live in the world and in recovery. 
but the abstinence better be the foundation for it. When I'm eating, I can't do anything. I can't work the steps. It's, you know, I, it, it doesn't work that way. I have a sponsor. I, uh, I, I sponsor. Uh, I go through the literature. Uh, I read and write today. One of my sponsees is, uh, was writing uh, way more than I was, and he was writing in the workbook, which I had never done. And so I started writing in that workbook also and asking him if we could exchange reading back and forth. So I write almost every day. I talk to him almost every day and I read my writing most every day. And uh, it's up my program. It's wonderful. I have sponsors. I do service. Uh, I'm, I go to three meetings now a week, two away and an Al-Anon, and I do service at two of them after 40 years and I'm old, I can, I can, you know, delude myself into believing that's for the youngsters, but you know what? Mm -mm. It's not true. It doesn't say there's an age. I don't graduate from this stuff. Uh, this is one day at a time for the rest of my life. I don't eat sugar, no matter what. Uh, I got married in this program. I had strawberries. We had a cake. She ate a cake. I don't eat cake. I don't drink. Uh, if it's not an option, it's not a problem. If the food becomes a problem, it goes on the red list or whatever the words are. Abstinence, when I came in, was the same as food plan. I, I can't, I don't argue about that stuff with anybody. I have a lifestyle that I abstain from doing certain things, uh, like having character things that you just don't do. I don't have affairs today. I don't cheat business today. Not that I would have before, but I don't proactively don't it's not an option if there's foods i get squirrely with i got to get them out of my life and out of my way because i don't want to be living in the food as natalie our one of our you know beloved long gone matriarchs uh, used to say uh, it is about the food and it's not about the food and it is about the food and it's not about the food and i thought that was either profound or the lady had lost her marbles um but when recovery when i'm living in recovery you don't hear about my food. I went out to dinner last night with four people, the four of us. You don't know from the way I ordered. So I got my salad dressing on the side. Big goddamn deal. I had an, an order. The guy opposite me had the same order. Uh, we shared soup. I mean, I eat like a person. I don't eat certain things and I don't make a big deal. I did make a big deal. I did. I took my own food to places in the beginning. I did call ahead. I was a, you know, I was subjected to the to the mentality of the of, of the diet culture, uh, but this program is about getting a daily reprieve, one day at a time, predicated upon keeping a fit spiritual condition, whatever that means to you. The more grounded I am, the cleaner my food is, the better my life is. It doesn't mean I won't get divorced. It doesn't mean I won't have my father die. It doesn't do. It doesn't change the the the, the big plan. It just means that when things happen, I can deal with them more sanely and more soberly. Um, it gives me the, you know, God and I working together, lining up. It was my will to be a lawyer and it didn't work. And it was God's will, apparently, that I go this route and it's worked a lot easier. When I, when I went river rafting once, just before program, the guy said, if you, if you fall out, don't flail. The people who flail, get hurt and I didn't fall out and at the very very end I threw myself out and didn't flail 
and apparently made it through alive to tell about it. But I try not to fight anyone or anything to the best of my ability anymore. I don't want to win more fights anymore. I want to have less fights. I want to feel normal. I want to walk through life and nobody asked me what I ate and and if my pants fit. And I don't want to be thinking about that. I don't want to go to a big men shop. I don't want to turn down an engagement because I'm afraid the chairs won't accommodate me. I can't live that way anymore. Is it too much focus on the weight as opposed to an outside issue, healthy at every size, so whatever. I want to be healthy at whatever size I am. And acceptance is the key to all my problems today. But in the big book, when, and, uh, when they talked about it on the original on 449, 417 now, it said, until I could accept my alcoholism, I couldn't get and stay sober. I don't accept it because I'm stuck there and resi- I have to be resigned because I'm relegated to it. It's until I could accept it, I couldn't change it. And I don't want to be fat anymore. I want to be happy, joyous, and free. Uh, I want to be handling life like a gentleman. Um, The two people we were with last night actually had a life problem and asked us if we would give them feedback about it. So if you're new, please just keep coming back. Don't leave. It'll make it easier to not have to deal with coming back. Keep coming to these meetings when they're live. Come back live also. Get a sponsor. Be honest to the best of your ability. And uh, don't quit before your miracle because uh, it's, 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 can we guarantee these things? You know what? Yeah, sort of, kind of, sort of, kind of. Just keep coming back. Uh, thank you, Josh, for asking me to speak. I love you. And Don, you're not bad either. Um, and, and thanks for listening. And have a great day, everybody. Keep coming back. Thanks.